0: Hello, 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 and welcome to Canadian Made, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the Canadian entertainment industry to uncover the stories of how things get made and the unsung heroes who make this amazing Canadian content. So today on the podcast, we have Sarah Kwan. She is an executive in charge of development in the comedy department at the CBC. In this episode, we talk all about How to pitch your show to development executives, how to network with development executives. She gives some really, really good tips for aspiring writers and filmmakers for how to actually get your script in front of someone like her. Before she worked in development at the CBC, she also worked as a freelance producer. And we have a really interesting conversation about how to find your place in the entertainment industry and discover what role you're really meant to be pursuing. So there's a lot to be gained from this episode. I'm sure you're going to find Sarah as articulate and lovely as I did. So without further ado, let's get into it. So I want to start out with what you do at the CBC. So can you walk us through, you know, what your responsibilities are and what you what you typically do?
1: As a development executive, my job really is in the name is really just to develop um, our current slate of uh, television projects that can that can range at any given time from ten to fifteen, you know, give or take a few. We're quite busy on our end, and I know you know my drama colleagues are they 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 probably develop more than we do in comedy which is um, kind of crazy. But, um, you know, I work alongside Jennifer Shin, who's the director of development for Comedy Scripted. Um, and her and I uh, together, we, we take on all the pitches that come through our doors for specifically scripted comedy television. So that can add up to you probably in and around 200 plus pitches a year which is kind of crazy but it's great because we get a huge swath of you know not only talent but really interesting stories um and it is really interesting to see you know everything coming through our doors especially after you know the success of schitt's creek and kim's convenience and of course you know our new comedies which is son of a critch and sort of um you know run the burbs and strays so it is a really exciting time i think for canadian comedy but also, you know, there was uh, some restructuring at the CBC over the past few years. Um, you know, myself uh, just entering the CBC last year being one of them um, in which, you know, before everything had happened, um, all the executives had handled both development and production. And so in this new structure, um, you know, there's specifically a development department and a production side um, you know, that handles strictly development and production. And the reason for that is just to really address the, the volume of projects that come in. And we greenlit four comedies last year. Um, and we also renewed all of them this year too, which is really great news because they're all um, such great shows. But yeah, I think we've been really, really busy on both sides. But a big part of that is really just making sure that we are keeping the momentum on all the projects that come in. But it also sort of allows us to um, meet more of the community-specific, Specifically, um, in the comedy community, um, that's that's sort of a really big advantage to being in development. Is that we now, hopefully, that the pandemic is is slowly starting to wane off. Fingers crossed, you know that we can go out to more uh, in-person comedy shows. And I know, you know, the comedy community has you know done its part in terms of keeping digital shows alive over the course of the pandemic. Um, but it really doesn't beat an in-person show. So that's a big part of our job is is trying to seek out. And find new talent, because ultimately we want to make the best shows. And I think we've proven that we have and that, you know, Canadian comedy certainly does travel internationally. So we want to be able to keep that legacy going um, by finding that new talent. And I think, um, you know, more than anything, um, we also want to repatriate Canadians who may have left Canada to go work overseas for whatever reason they know that that they have a home in, in CBC comedy and that we want to hear, you know, your pitches for your shows and your ideas. And even if you just want to get to know us, that's really, really great too.
0: I, I think that's so exciting. It must be so exciting, such an exciting time to be at the CBC because of course Canada has such a rich history of, you know, being at the forefront of comedy. And I feel like we're in a moment again where we're, we're doing it again on an international stage. So that's really exciting. But before we get to the kind of legacy of <laughs> CBC comedy, <laughs> you get all of these scripts. What are you looking for? What's your analysis that you go through with the scripts? How can a script catch, catch your eye and stand out?
1: I, you know, I think um, every script and every project is different, but ultimately I think we're really looking for stories that feel super character-driven you know, um, or feel really urgent Our conversation starters, sort of, which is a show we came out with this past fall. It's a perfect example of that, just the tone um, of dramedy that it's playing with, but also the universal theme of, of you know, everyone is in transition, especially um, over the pandemic. A lot of people are, are, are really thinking about, you know, changes in their lives and, and certainly um, what that means for them personally. And I think that's a beautiful message. And that's sort of the main message of sort of is the idea that everyone is in transition. But, you know, aside from that, we are looking for singular perspectives, distinct POVs, you know, making sure that it is relevant and contemporary in terms of what the show is trying to say, because ultimately, you know, the shows that last the test of time are the ones that Carefully and skillfully, sort of, you know, loosen or unwrap like bigger themes or or harder to to talk about subjects um, through a comedic lens, and I think that's why so many people like comedy because it it's not trying to hit you over the head with an obvious fact or idea, but ultimately it's challenging the way that you think about that kind of thing. You know, for us at CBC, we you know we found that stories that feel super grounded in reality are really strong, but also um, specificity of place and culture. So, If you look at, you know, shows like Son of a Critch, which is, you know, vast in East Coast culture, and obviously there's the nostalgia element, people love it. You know, the East Coast crowd is is certainly a really special crowd. And I think that's why that's due in part why the show is so successful. Um, But it also just feels really specific. So, you know, a big part of our programming mandate is to find shows that ultimately reflect Canada back onto itself. So whatever that means in terms of, you know, what Canada means to you as a citizen, as an individual, um, as a country, as a province. Um, and that's not just, you know, regionally, because we know we would love like some West Coast representation in our shows, too. And, you know, obviously we have Newfoundland represented on the East Coast with Son of a Critch and, and with sort of its it's Toronto based as well. Um, and run the burbs too, and strays as Hamilton. So, you know, I think the more specific um, your world and your setting is, I think it, it the better because people will find um, relatability and universality um, in that, you know, specification.
0: I love the way that you're talking about it as being so much more than one script at one moment. You know, I think that CBC has a real role in defining the culture and what it means to be Canadian and what is Canadian? And that's, that's the question we still haven't figured out the answer to here in Canada, right? We're, we're just not American. That's what we know. Beyond that, it can be really hard to define. So do you feel a sense of responsibility in what you're doing in your job in defining Canadian culture?
1: I think there is a part of that in there in that, You know uh, what is laced in Canadian culture. I think is ultimately up to every single Canadian. Of course, I think there is a shadow of of having a little bit of an inferiority complex to um, you know our neighbors in the U.S. Um, However, I think you know what do you think of as a normal CBC comedy? It's usually an ensemble comedy uh, with a lot of heart. But also, how can we challenge what that means? How can we expand that bubble a little bit more? Because ultimately. Canadians and, you know, its 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 citizens are not a monolith. So what does that mean in 2022 and how can we um, as executives and as a broadcaster be challenging that, but also um, be celebrating um, all that it means to be Canadian?
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because, I mean, Shit's Creek is surely one of, if not the most successful Canadian show in the last decade at- if not more, right? A hugely successful show. And it was criticized for um, having American references, and then they slowly walked it back. Of course, I mean, we have, like you said, son of a critch, working moms that are very, um, in Kim's Convenience, oh my goodness, that are very uniquely Canadian. And so when you're looking at scripts, like toe the line of saying, okay, we need to make sure that we don't have too many shows that are, you know, verging on the American but we still want to make them marketable to the international mar- market at some stage. So how do you toe that line?
1: I really think we look at it as creative first, um, honestly. And, and you know, I think that just translates into ultimately what is a, you know, modern Canadian story look like. But we're not ultimately looking for it to be like, oh, we need, you know, we need to see Maple Leafs everywhere. Or, you know, we need to see a Tim Hortons on the street or something like that or make those specific ref- references, which is always great. But it's it's not certainly something that we look at. And I think, you know, to your point, Schitt's Creek has proven that it works for an international audience audience. And I always say, if you build it, they will come. So, you know, those audiences will find the content if it's good and if it's available to them. So ultimately I think that that's our mission is, is we make the best um, TV content that we can make and, and that audience will find it no matter what.
0: Definitely. Definitely. I agree with that. And especially with the Uh, Netflix coming on board, it certainly makes content easier to find, especially when it's um, not necessarily airing on a huge network in the States. So that's been really exciting for Canadian TV, definitely. So I'm curious, you know, in obviously you're right on the pulse of Canadian content and what's coming and you're looking at the trends. So can you talk a little bit about um, some trends that maybe you're seeing now with buyers um, and the type of content that they're looking for and, you know, maybe what you foresee happening in the next year or so? Sure. I mean, it's so hard to predict, but ultimately, you know, that is part of our jobs because
1: when we're commissioning right now is what hopefully we'll see on the air in two years or three years time. So we do actually have to sort of predict it. I mean, You know, right now, specifically, I think the time of the earnest comedy is coming back. I think Ted Lasso is due a large part into that, Um, but also shows that came out um, this year called um, one of them being uh, Abbott Elementary that came out. I believe it's on ABC. I think it's just uh, a really wonderful, refreshing workplace comedy that, you know, borrows from a lot of the formats that came before it, like, you know, the office and Parks and Rec, but I think what makes it so special is is a fresh perspective, and it's you know created by Quinta Brunson from the Black Lady Sketch Show, and she's brilliant and so so funny, and so I think it's it's thinking about comedy in the idea that um, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel, but we are trying to provide levity, but also obviously the funny, um, but also just a new perspective and a new way of looking at. Um, a workplace comedy or family comedy and challenging what that means. It's like, what does a family comedy mean five years from now? It, you know, you see things like Modern Family, which felt totally fresh and new at the time, um, but that's obviously a lot of um, mixed families now. So it's just sort of about looking at the world and seeing, you know, who, who you're walking down the street and seeing every day. And like, that's that's ultimately what's reflected in, in um, stories that we see in comedy.
0: It must be difficult as a development executive to be looking at these stories and know that they're not going to hit anybody's screen for at least you know a significant period of time, and to to be able to really forecast where the world is going. Like that's that's hard. Yeah, yeah. I think
1: um, it's it's definitely takes a little bit of um, just understanding of of story, and then you know knowing that the the themes and the ideas and um, the topics that feel really relevant um, today will continue to be relevant. Mm. Um, but also, you know, ultimately keeping a pulse on on you know generally what's happening with the world socially. Um, but it's always a good idea just to be um, constantly learning and um, understanding. And, you know, personally, how I do it, too, is I'm just sort of consuming every inch of content that I can in in every different mediums because you just never know, you know, when one might transfer to the other or when, um, you know, a new trend would be would be starting.
0: That's really interesting. So if filmmakers are out there and they're, you know, they're young or they're new or they're, you know, coming back from a different marketplace back to Canada, you know, like let's say that they were in New York or L.A. for a significant period of time, you know, what would your tips be for them to break into the Canadian market and hopefully, you know, get something in front of you? <laughs> I mean, the easiest
1: thing, uh, honestly, would just be to introduce yourselves to us. I mean, I know it can seem like it might be difficult to make that introduction, but honestly, um, you know, a big part of what we do at CPC is access and transparency. So we want to be able to, as quote unquote gatekeepers be able to provide access to us where, you know, if we don't know about you or if, you know, we haven't read yourself, read your writing or, or, or even met you before, don't be afraid to introduce yourself to us and send us a note or, um, you know, invite us to a show. And And, you know, then we have a chance to at least know you and create that shorthand. Um, and so at least you have a friendly face if you do um, ever decide to want to pitch us. Um, but I think also it's always good, you know, they say agents are always good to get to because we we also work with agents in terms of um, sharing writer samples that they're really excited about or projects that they're really excited about. But also a big part of what we do is we work with production companies and producers a lot of the time in terms of um, not just, you know, business and rights, but creatively as well. Um, so it's always good my really is to, you know, look up your favorite Canadian TV shows, find out who made them, and then just ask and just to see if you can really just get a general meeting with them or, or sort of like a coffee chat just to, to find out what they're about. You know, tonally, if they align with the type of um, shows or, or movies that you want to be making, just ask them questions You know, this industry is a lot friendlier than a lot of people think, especially in Toronto. And and what I've found whenever I've asked for advice, that if you just truly reach out, then, you know, nine times out of 10, people will be more than willing to share what they know or share their knowledge and, and spare 30 minutes of their time. So it's always good just to ask and reach out because I don't think there could be anything you can't come out in a deficit in that way.
0: Yeah, I think that that's such a good advice, and I think back to—I'm sure you do too—to like the 18-year-old version of yourself that was just so desperate to get break into the industry and to think all you had to do was send 10 emails and just kind of show that you're passionate, show that you're eager, show that you're a hard worker, and people answer. It's like you said, like people always answer and one connection might lead to another connection. You know, you don't, just because the head of CBC didn't respond back doesn't mean that, you know, you're not going to have met somebody else who then is like, goes to tennis with somebody whose sister is the head of the CBC or, you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> exactly. It's and there's so many great <laughs> online groups now too, that offer support. I mean, off the top of my head, like BIPOC TV and film is a really great resource or even Inc, Inc Canada on Facebook. Um, There are so many really um, wonderful communities with um, not only writers, but producers, directors. And there are so many um, really great connections that you can make from that. I mean, WIFT, Women in Film and Television Toronto is a really great resource as well. So there's a lot of places where you can meet and work with people and collaborate or even just, you know, talk creatively. It is a really great resource. Um, And also all the festivals that happen over, over Toronto, too, are really, really great for networking purposes
0: say they finally have gotten a meeting with you. They've gotten in front of you. You read their script and you really liked it. And so now they're going to pitch it to you. What are you looking for in that pitch from them?
1: I think there's nothing honestly, specifically that you need to bring to the pitch other than yourself and knowing exactly, you know, what the story is and and knowing um, your series inside out. And so that covers in terms of, Character and world and tone and arcs over the season. Um, You know, you certainly don't have to have all of the answers prepared or the entire series arced out, but just have a really good idea of of who these characters are. I think ultimately, when you when we talk about CBC linear, like yes, you know, uh, I think episodic is. Um, Sort of a popular format that, you know, a lot of people um, come to us with. But we also want to see serialized arcs throughout the entire season as well. And, you know, asking yourself, where does this character start versus where do they end up? How do they grow? How do they change throughout the season? And then, you know, ultimately, for me, I always like to see uh, world building as as a really big thing because it's definitely... Um, Something that is a lot lot bigger in the drama world is world building, but certainly I think it's really important in the comedy world too, because ultimately we are looking for continuing series. We want storylines to be able to last, you know, and and characters to be able to grow and change within those storylines. So, you know, the best advice that I can give specifically for pitches is while it, it can be really, really scary to come into a room full of strangers or executives that you don't know, um, try your best to have fun because certainly we can feel that energy in the room. And I know it sounds really, really simple to say, um, but, you know, if you are having fun and you really, and we can, you know, sense and feel the passion that you have for that project, it does go a long way. And, and honestly, like we're really, Curious people, so we're going to ask questions. We're going to, um, you know, naturally want to know more about your project. So um, as long as you know that back and forth, there's nothing other than that um, specifically um, to prepare for.
0: Have you ever seen something in a pitch that really wowed you? That they brought to it. Maybe it was like a a type of media or um, something that they did with the project that you were like just in awe of.
1: Um, I, I don't know if that's happened specifically because I think showmanship is is probably less common in Canadian pitches, <laughs> to be entirely <laughs> honest. I think that's more of a US thing where, you know, you um rehearse and sort of perform a pitch. And I think certainly it's happened before. You know, we're also fans of that too. But you know, there have been some people that have come in and pitched sizzle reels for us, which is always really. Nice to see specifically the way that you present the material to us, because if you're not really sure if the tone of the series gets across in a pitch deck, for example showing us is sort of the next best thing, but obviously not everyone can do that. So it just depends. And, and it's worth just thinking about how you want to present the material to us because, you know, we sort of accept everything from, like I said, a sizzle reel to a pitch deck to a pilot. So you let us know how you want us to review the material and we're we're completely open to um, reviewing it however you'd like.
0: And then to contrast that, is there are there any faux pas that maybe first time pitchers might not know about that that you could kind of give them the tip to avoid?
1: <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Honestly, I don't think anything has been ever super offensive in a pitch that I have been in thus far. Um, the only thing I would say is, you know, never be super presumptuous or think that you're going to sell the show in, in, a, in a room necessarily. You know, we like to be really thoughtful in terms of our review of everything. So um, personally, how I like to review projects is if you have something like a, a lookbook or a pitch deck um, or even just synopses, we like to take a look at that before the the per, the pitch, whether that's virtual or in person. And then usually if there's a pilot or writing sample, we like to read that afterwards because we apply everything we have learned or asked in the pitch um, to that read. And then it sort of gives us um, fresh eyes on, on the project when we go to review it.
0: So in terms of your own career, and it doesn't just have to be at the CBC, it can be you personally. Can you talk about a time in your career that you were most proud of, that you felt like, ooh, this is kind of my Hollywood moment, if you will?
1: I think it really is just, and this has happened both um, on on the independent side, you know, when I was a creative executive and and sort of an independent producer, and also um, with my time at CBC, it's just being able to deliver really good news, whether it's we got into a festival or, you know, your show's being greenlit or, you know, whatever it may be, Um, just being able to be a part of that process, because that's really the whole reason why I, I got started in development is because I wanted to be a part of a seed of an idea and sort of see it through all the way until um, we made it because, you know, my background is fully in production. And so I only saw the project when we were making it, when we had to make it. And I didn't really get to be a part of that development um, sort of process. So it is really rewarding when you can see, you know, someone's baby being able to be carried through all the way from, you know, an idea to an actual green light or a production. Just because it's, you know, there's so much hard work that goes into it and making a TV show or a movie or whatever um, is not easy. And the idea that you can make something out of nothing is, is, I think, really beautiful.
0: I completely agree. It's so exciting to start on the development stage and just see the project blossom. I, I completely agree. It's the, it's the most fun. But I, I have to ask you about your time at, at Northwood. Because we have a, a shared project in common, um, which I feel like I'm building up to be a big reveal. It's it's not uh, it's not a big <laughs> reveal. I also worked on Anne with an E. I did uh, casting way back, uh, okay, when, which was very fun for the uh, you know for the search for Anne because <laughs> was I, a
1: lot it, of girls. it was it was extensive. <laughs> from what I heard, it was sort of right before my time, but um, yeah, certainly. I mean, Amy Beth McNulty is incredible.
0: Yeah. And I was, I was at her um, first screening with her grandma and it was just like, it was just like such a special moment because actually we were in the CBC building and all, you know, the girls came and they were so excited and everyone was so buzzing. Like it was just a really special day. That's great. And um, so I want to ask you about your time at Northwood and, and what you did and, and how kind of like you found your footing in on the production side of things.
1: Yeah. I mean, when I joined Northwood, I, I, you know, was coming from, again, a place of production where I, I really needed to take a step back and, and sort of dip my feet into development. And so I worked, um, you know, right under Miranda Depensier, who is the, um, you know, owner president of Northwood Entertainment. Um, and I joined just before they went to camera on the third season of Anne. So being a part of that process was really incredible. One, just to see a TV show, um, you know, in its third season sort of... Um, like really really taking care of um watch that sort of happen and obviously Moira Wally Wally Beckett is um a complete genius um and watching everyone work was really really rewarding to see um but certainly you know my time at Northwood it was mostly involved in development and also um sort of pushing out um the Grizzlies which is sort of an indie movie that Miranda both um, directed and produced sort of out the door and that really you know That project was sort of a labor of love. And, and, you know, I really learned the ropes from Miranda in terms of, you know, how to develop story, how to, you know, be a really good creative executive, giving notes and, and sort of working on pitches with writers. You know, I sort of ran the whole gamut in terms of not only, you know, television um, you know, pre-production, production, post-production, but also you know distribution of feature films and what that was like, um, and so it was really just a masterclass of just you know learning, learning from really, really brilliant writers and minds' work, and just the level of excellence that was present in that company
0: always um, was really, really exciting to see. Coming from you know a more production side and moving into development, did you have a time where you thought? gosh, like what, what is my place in this industry? And like, how do I fit in? And and how did you like negotiate that?
1: For sure. I mean, I, like I started, f- obviously, from where everyone starts when they start in production, which is as a PA. Um, and so I just hustled my way the whole time. And I, I remember I started, you know, many, many years ago, back when I was in school, back when they told us that on the very first day of orientation, that you probably won't have a job when you graduate. So I think it just pushed me and propelled me into wanting to prove them wrong. Um, and luckily I did because I sort of, I, I got roped into production coordinating and production managing and line producing. Um, I think just because I'm pretty type A kind of personality and it was what um, I was really, really good at. And I, obviously I loved it for uh, a while. And, and um, you know, the camaraderie that you find on um, specifically indie sets, Um, was really, really fun for me. But certainly, you know, the 16, 17-hour long days... Eventually got to me, and certainly, you know, ending up on <laughs> not to bag on it, but one too many um, movie of the weeks. You know, you sort of y- you want to be able to dig into. The, like the, I went to film school, so it's sort of you know what I wanted to get back into is what I loved, and certainly TV is obviously having its moment right now with how popular it is, how many TV shows are coming out. So it felt like an easy transition to be able to go right into um, development and just sort of hone my skills. I already. Um, sort of identified when I was in school and, and really hammering into that.
0: I feel like so often development uh, executives come from more of a corporate background, not not to say that, you know, you're like wearing a suit and tie, but that you worked at an agency or you were always in a desk, like I'll, I'll put it that way rather than kind of being like boots on the ground production crew. I feel like it's a less common path to see, but maybe I'm just completely mistaken.
1: No, I think you're right. For me, I had to take a complete step back um, from producing and and um, you know, production managing to go back to being assistant, quite honestly. It was sort of a choice that a conscious choice that I made where, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to be in development. It was what I wanted to do with what I I, I loved. And so, you know, I had to kind of take a step back to take a step forward, quite honestly. And I learned so much, you know, in my time in in development at Northwood and and you know, developing my own things too that it felt like it really paid off because ultimately it was sort of where I found my calling. And I think, you know, just because you're good at something, does it mean that you should always be doing it? And so I think that's why I sort of uh, wanted to leave line producing and production managing because I knew that I could do it, but I didn't really enjoy it at the heart of it. Um, and so I, I just sort of went back and I had to take a step back to do and to find, you know, what I loved doing, which was, you know, development.
0: That's like honestly really inspiring because I think that a lot of people, generally people get into the industry because they love the industry and they don't want to leave the industry. But I think that finding your place in the industry is really hard. And I mean, to be honest, I was the same. I bounced around a lot of different things before I ended up in entertainment law. So it's like, it's crazy. And I think... You know, a younger version of myself would have been so encouraged to hear that other people were struggling to find what actually makes sense for them and their lifestyle, too, because it's like you said, not it's not for everyone to work a 16 hour day.
1: Yeah. And it, it takes time to just because you're sort of in the right industry doesn't mean you have the right job either. And you can take that time, you know, to find out what works for you and what what you really love. And even if it means uh, sort of taking a beat to, to really realize that I think it's worth it, because ultimately, the pandemic, if the pandemic has taught as anything, you know, we can't be doing anything that we don't love. And that, you know, we can't be spending time at places that don't realize our full potential so it's it's ultimately all about that at the end of the day
0: 100 percent. so before i let you go i have to ask especially because you're the expert you know you all you do is consume content (laughs) um your maybe not your favorite you don't have to put so much pressure on it but a piece of canadian content that you love that you would highly recommend and then maybe, maybe you can say one CBC thing and one not CBC thing, or you can say whatever it's you you don't, yeah, you're, I yeah, don't want to put exactly. any obligations on you.
1: Well, I mean, it's not, I, I, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but I truly love all of the shows that we have on our slate. They're so funny. Um, they're so original. They're so fresh. Um, I love son of a critch. I love sort of, I think they're really beautiful, wonderful shows. And, you know, it's, it's definitely evidenced by, you know, I think, Sort of was named one of uh, 2021's best shows by Fan- Vanity Fair, which is pretty incredible. Um, and Son of a Critch is, I think, one of the top rated Canadian comedies of all time, which is which is really good to hear. Um, but I and just now resale- the
0: star is going to be Pinocchio, which yeah. is so crazy.
1: <laughs> it's great. And the casting was incredible. I mean, Malcolm, Malcolm, Malcolm McNowell, like, how can you? even just compare. It's just such a legendary cast. But I just recently watched uh, Scarborough by uh, Catherine Hernandez, and I, it was such a beautiful film. I cried. I thought it was absolutely incredible. Um, I think it just came out at TIFF this past year. Um, I'm such a big fan uh, of her and, and, and the film. And I think, you know, every single person, every single Canadian needs to watch it because it's it's just really incredible.
0: Oh, amazing. Oh, that was such a good recommendation, actually. Well done, yeah. A+. Plus. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Canadian Made Podcast. Don't forget to rate and review our show. Did you know that you can actually rate shows now on Spotify as well as Apple Podcast? So much exciting stuff in the podcast world. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next Wednesday.